Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. I love Advent. It's probably my favorite season of the church year, which sounds a little strange. It's Easter, but I love Advent. And particularly this Sunday, we have this wonderful prophecy from Isaiah that's so full of deep, deep longing and strong, confident hope. And we have the psalm with its promises that are filled with joyous anticipation and confidence. Paul's assurance that God with us is with everyone, not just those who have already received the promises of God. And John the Baptist, the wild man, the prophet, dressed in camel hair, crying out to all who would hear, and so many do hear, and they come out to him. Now, when I was a child and a teenager, I always found Christmas kind of disappointing. Most Christmases were pretty wonderful, actually. I really enjoyed being with my extended family, and I really loved a lot of the presents, even the pajamas and the socks. But Christmas was never quite it. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew that the time leading up to Christmas and Christmas itself, wonderful as they were, just didn't quite make it. They somehow were both wonderful and also lacking something. And it wasn't until I read the Bible, and particularly passages like the ones we've heard today, that I had any idea what it was the promises of God coming true. Not fully, but nevertheless, the promises of God coming true. So Advent has always been special to me because it's a time of waiting, a time of anticipation, of looking around and knowing there's a more that's coming and coming soon. Who knows? Maybe this year the kingdom of God will break in more fully. Maybe this year God with us will come again with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Maybe this year God with us will decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Maybe this year the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And maybe this year the whole of humanity in all its frailty and limitation will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. That is, after all, what we hope for, what we long for and what we stretch ourselves toward, reach toward, the promises of God coming true. They seem mostly impossible, things that human beings simply haven't gotten around to doing and probably are not going to get around to doing, or at least so it seems, the older I get. But God has promised, and with God all things are possible. And so we hope and we long 
we stretch toward this wonderful future that we know we cannot achieve on our own. In our hope, we pull that longed-for and promised future toward us day by day. Perhaps we do that more fervently during Advent. That's at least part of why we spend so much time thinking about what gifts to give and to whom. What will meet the longings and desires of those around us, of those we love? Or maybe we're just more aware of it in Advent. In any event, what we're trying to do is to head into the kingdom of God before the kingdom comes. We try to see the world as God sees it, full of grace and beauty and possibility, but also full of brokenness and unnecessary harm and suffering and want and separation. We try to live into the world that God promises in how we view and approach others and, yes, ourselves. We try to heal what is broken, and if not heal, at least abide with those who live in brokenness. That is, we try to show up, to take part, and refuse to disappear from the company of the sorrowful, the lost, the wounded, the despairing, ones we don't know and the ones we do. We try to protect and nurture joy and delight and fairness and justice and hope. Hope and confidence, its twin, the absolute and irreversible conviction that whatever it is that God is up to, it will always, somehow, lead to healing and forgiveness and wholeness. It will always, somehow, lead to God's kingdom in all of its fullness. And every bit of that is a preparation for the kingdom and an anticipation of it. But it's not the kingdom itself. So we hope and we wait, just like John the Baptist in a way, because John is waiting and hoping and preparing. And most of all, he's pointing. In much of medieval and Renaissance art, even at great distance, you can tell who's John, who's John the Baptist, not because of his long, wild hair and his camel hair clothing, although those provide good clues, but you can tell it's John because he's pointing, always, clearly and emphatically pointing away from himself and toward the one who is to come, toward Jesus who brings in the kingdom of God. He's pointing toward that future, toward that very specific future which is not going to be easy, even for God, to accomplish. Often John is pointing toward the crucified one, to the one whose very suffering and death and descent into hell are in such paradoxical ways the opening into the kingdom of God. John points away from himself toward Christ, God with us, because John knows and he says again and again, that for all that what he says is a word from God, prophecy, foretelling and telling forth, and it is all of that, for all of that he's only the messenger. 
He points away from himself. There is one coming, but, John says, I'm not it. Listen to me and get ready. God is coming soon, now, into our midst, where we are. God is coming, so prepare the way of the Lord. Now, getting ready for John and for us means not only hoping and longing and reaching and pulling God's promised future toward us, getting ready is also about turning around, repenting, and taking a good, hard look at ourselves and our world and being clear about what's going on. Because as good, as beautiful, as wonderful as this world can be, and it certainly can, it's not the kingdom of God. Even with all that God is up to in us and with us and despite us, this still isn't the kingdom of God. And we know it. So repent, says John. Turn around. Head in the right direction. See what God is up to to bring in the kingdom. <clears throat> Repentance for us as individuals means recognizing that we're not as good as we think we are. We're not as just, as faithful, as generous, as loving as we could be or as we want to be. We know that. We may not say so out loud, or maybe not very often, but we know that we are frail and limited creatures whose even good intentions can lead to bad, even evil consequences. And we know that our world is far from what it should be, what it could be, even at its very best, which is, after all, in ways, very good indeed. Still, even at its best, the world, humankind, are really far, far different, distant from what we could be and what the world ought to be. So turning around, the meaning of the Greek word for repentance, turning around means taking a good, hard, truthful look and then refiguring. Figuring out how to head ourselves and our communities and all that is around us in the right direction, which is not exactly this direction, but heading out ahead toward what it is that God is doing. And what God has promised will surely come of that doing. And that's hard and painful work. And it's work that's never over. After all, we get off track so easily, we humans. We become attached to things, to relationships, to ways of living and being that clearly are not the kingdom of God, no matter how much we may treat them that way. We mistake what is good and true and holy and beautiful about the realities we live in for what is ultimately good and true and holy and beautiful. So we have to give up our illusions and we have to sit looser with what comforts and fulfills us because after all, it's not the more. And doing all of that is hard, hard work. The work of repentance, of turning around, of reorienting ourselves again and again toward <coughs> what's coming, toward what God is doing, toward the kingdom. 
And repentance, turning around, is not just about individuals. It's about organizations and systems and structures and communities and cultures. These two head in the wrong direction all too often, and they take us with them. Systems and structures and communities and cultures need to be turned around too and headed toward the kingdom. The whole world needs to be turned around, and that includes the church. For the church too, be it parish or diocese, worldwide communion, Anglican, Roman Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, needs always to take a good hard look at itself and where it is and where it is not contributing to the preparation for and the coming of God's kingdom. We don't need to look far to see examples. And some of those examples are huge and horrifying and all too present. The church, for all its goodness and its holiness, all its fervent efforts to be both just and faithful, always need to look where it's pointing and figuring out where we need to turn around to. Because the church is not the kingdom either. The church anticipates the kingdom. The church always points to what God is up to and what God promises. The church is like John the Baptist, always pointing away from itself and the good and true and holy ways it is in the world. All those things are real, but they are nevertheless always pointing away, ahead, toward God with us, toward the kingdom. The church, in the midst of everything, always, always says, prepare the way of the Lord. <clears throat> 